This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As indeed, we are back at it. Julie Weisenhorn back in studio. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. I haven't seen you since the fair. State fair time. Yes. I uh, ate a lot that day. Did you really? Man. Yeah. That's a, that's, <laughs> I was super That's full. what you do I there. Home, I, I know. Guess. Yeah. I and know, then you try to walk it off. Cheese curds and but that's that's you know the fair for those that don't know what we're talking about. That's that's a a, a pretty big deal for you people in horticulture, isn't it's it? It's huge. Yeah, I mean it it stems from a, there's so much agriculture around it and and you know livestock and I mean that's kind of the basis of the fair. There's all sorts of other great things too. But yeah, we spend a lot of time. We spend most of the year planning for the fair and some per, some amount. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you and I have talked, uh, in fact, this morning is a good example about uh, the, we always like to talk about the Arboretum. Yeah. And, and every so oh, often we talk about a great place. Uh, the, uh, the the music you guys play. Oh, yeah. The Abiders. <laughs> and you're going to be there. Hey, we're going to be there tonight. Uh, it is the Farm at the Arb Field Fest. This is the dedication of the brand new refurbished Red Barn. It's across from the B Center uh, out on 82nd Street. It is going to be amazing. They uh, have been working on this, and thank you to all the people who, you know, fund provided funding and uh, have worked so hard on this. It's just going to be great, and it's going to be celebrating the refurbished Red Barn, and it's just it's iconic at the Arboretum. It's been there forever, and it's just beautiful. And we'll be playing uh, as part of the music there from five till seven. So it's family five to friendly. Seven today. Yeah, family friendly. Pray for no rain, or I think at least wave. I wave think the weather the looks pretty good I think so, so far. I think yeah. we're crossing our fingers. But a lot of folks are expected there. Oh yeah, a thousand people I think will be there. Wow. Yeah, that's what they're kind of anticipating. And anyway. for those that don't know, and you really, if you you go there once, you're gonna you'll yeah, be back there again. Be back. Uh, how do we get to the arboretum? The arboretum is out west of the metro on Highway Five and Forty One, just west of that yeah. intersection. And in this case, you're going to want to enter in, uh, you can either go through the Arboretum and drive the beautiful three-mile drive, or you can go right out to 82nd Street, which is the southern uh, perimeter, uh, just down 41, southern perimeter of the Arboretum. Uh, we have already uh, texters. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you want to call it in or text it, and same number applies, 651-989-9226. Ask Julie a question Either call it in or send a text like some folks are already doing, 651-989-9226. I want to talk about the weather, but before we do that, already texters are sending uh, questions. It says, uh, Danny, could you ask Julie how to find a certified arborist and when is it okay to trim oak trees? Oh, good question. So we have a good publication on our extension website called How to Hire a Tree Professional. It's under the Trees and Shrubs section. So you can go to extension.umn.edu, go to Yard and Garden, or you can just Google how to hire a tree professional and it'll pop right up. And um, it gives you good, really good questions to ask and also how to find a certified arborist. We have a, a terrific association here, a society called the International Society of Arboriculture, 
and it'll route you to their website. You put in your zip code and come up with all sorts of people in the in uh, your area that are certified arborists. We have so many good ones here. We have terrific tree people in Minnesota. It's really an important part of our industry. The other question is about when to prune uh, the oak trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the big concern with oaks are is oak wilt, which is a fungal disease that's transferred through grafted roots underground and also through the oak sap beetle, which vectors the fungal spores from tree to tree. The the timing, the, this is a good time. This is a low-risk time for pruning, September and October. Uh, but the safest time is actually November, December, January, February, and March. Mm-hmm. April through July, do not prune your oaks because that is when the, the risk is the highest for contracting oak wilt. Again, another thing you and I were talking about off the air is this tremendous amount of moisture we've had. Yeah. This rain is crazy. I know. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> We've had uh, Mark Seeley does a great uh, blog every Who is Friday. Mark, Mark Seeley is our uh, University of Minnesota climatologist. He is a professor emeritus at the U, and he produces a blog every Friday called Weather Talk. And on that, he indicated that just in the past, what, past week, yes. there are communities that have had three inches of rain, four yes, inches of rain. True. We have broken records. Some, a lot of communities are 12 to 16 inches above normal. And uh, he said, fortunately, it looks like the last part of the month is going to be a little bit drier than usual. So we might actually get a little bit of chance to do some yard Dry work out, and yeah. get out there and get our yards ready for winter. So Boy. But it's been really wet. But you mentioned something. What I find interesting is that if we have too much rain, what can that do to nitrogen? Well, that's a that's a great point because nitrogen is a mobile nutrient. It leaches through our soil, and when you have a lot of water, you can imagine you're washing that nitrogen through that soil faster. And so you have to pay attention to your plants, and if they start to have a chlorotic appearance, meaning that the tissue between the veins is yellowing but the veins remain green, uh, it could be a loss of nitrogen. And uh, and so you wanted to then. You know, give it a little bit of shot and fertilizer at that point. Now, right now, it's a little tricky because we're going into fall and some plants are actually turning yellow. But that chlorosis is pretty evident uh, when you start to see it, particularly on some of the uh, some of the uh, newer leaves that you'll see. Uh, text number is the same as the phone number. You can call in your question for Julie at six five one nine eight nine nine two two six, or the same number as I said applies to the text uh, number. All right. Here's the text, Julie. Renewal of uh, pruning of uh, spirea. Should I cut them down this fall or wait until spring? We usually get that about once a year. That yeah, day. and there's two kinds of spirea. So there's a spring-blooming spirea, one that blooms right away in the spring. It blooms on the on the uh, the, the wood that uh, was uh, had it developed last year, the previous year. We call it the old wood. And in that case, if you have a spring-blooming spirea, you want to you want to cut that down. After it's done blooming, just think of it like lilacs. It's the same thing. Um, the buds are set in the summer after the bloom time, and then they bloom in the they bloom in the spring. That's and after that, that's when you want to do your renewal pruning. Uh, if they're summer blooming, that means that they're going to bloom on new wood that develops early in the spring, comes up, and uh, and and blooms in the summer. And at that point, you could do um, some. Re- you want to do some renewal pruning or uh, early in the spring then. Or in the or now you could do it now I guess. Okay, uh, I see. You're gonna have to tell me what this is. I've, I've heard of Joe Pieweed. 
taking oh, yeah, taking over our backyard yes. planting. What can be done? What is that? Uh, Joe pie weed is a native plant. There are also some cultivars of the native out there. It's a great bee plant. It has huge kind of big round uh, flower heads. They're kind of a usually kind of a lavendery color, or a, a kind of reddish purple color. And it is a great plant, but it does spread quite a bit. Um, it's not, I wouldn't call it aggressive. Uh, some people might, but um, the, the best thing to do is to actually in the spring is before, as it's just starting to come up, is to dig out the plants you do not want, give them away, put them in some other part of your yard or compost them. Another one that just came in uh, following that, uh, that the Joe Pieweed leaves are curled up with edged with black. That could be from all the excessive rain. Yeah, um, it's sense. a it's a plant that tolerates wet conditions. We use it in rain gardens a lot and low low lying areas. You'll see it along lakes and and rivers. But sometimes it could be that there's some compacted soil and it's just kind of sitting in there. So it could be just a, a maybe a fungal issue on the leaves, and that is evident from the rain we've had. Let's go to the phone six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Mark is calling from West St. Paul. Good morning, Mark. What's your question? Good morning. It's, it's regarding my lawn. I I believe I have patch disease. Okay. How do you get rid of that? It's got I've got white white spots intermittently in the in the front lawn and So and I, I think, yeah, I so we have on our site you could you could visit our turf site and find out more about turf diseases. Uh patch disease I believe is a fungal disease as well and is and is caused by could be compacted soils, it could also be um really dense growth. We've had so much rain and then the moisture level too. So uh, take a look at that website though, and that will give you any kind of uh, Mm -hmm. cultural things that you should change on your lawn care or also if there's anything to treat it with. I doubt it at this point. Um, Your your grass should be pretty actively growing and uh, you may just be mowing it off at that point. Okay. Yes, actively growing. Actively growing. That's the operative phrase. This is the time of year our lawns grow. This is a great time of year to do a lot of lawn work. The fertilizing and all that. Yeah, fertilizing, aeration, aeration, uh, weed control, all of that. This is a great time. Julie, hang on. We need to take a quick break here. If you want to call in your lawn or garden question, do so, 651-989-9226, or send Julie a text. Same number applies. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota helping us out, helping you out this morning, both by phone and by text. And as you can see, Julie, we have both callers yes, and texters. Yes, that's awesome. Again, the same number. If you're new to the show, the, the, the phone number is the same as the text number, 651-989-9226. Uh, let's see. Texter says, I have a small, beautiful patch of grass surrounded by not-so-nice lawn. Where can I send a plug of that grass for analysis? Oh, okay. So we have a plant disease clinic on campus at the St. Paul campus. And uh, you can find that on our website, too, under extension.umn.edu. Or just Google plant disease clinic at the University of Minnesota, and you will get to their website. They have all the instructions that uh, you need to send in a sample. All right. Back to the phones we go. Kevin is calling from uh, Wasika, I believe. Kevin, you're on with Julie. Yes, a very good morning to you. Morning. Uh, my question. My question deals with uh, with lawn. Uh, there's a few areas where we had construction. It uh, kind of killed the grass or whatever. In place of that, what I call is, is foxtail or whatever. Sure. Or coarse grass has come and basically taken over the area. Uh, during the summer, it's not quite as noticeable. It, it, it grows rapidly. It's, it's a coarse grass again. 
But now this time of year when you mow it, it's, it's a brown area, discolored. I'm wondering, is this something I have to learn to live with, or is this something that uh, can be done to uh, get good grass quality back in there again? Sure. Are you up for doing a renovation of that area? Yes, there was uh, there was renovation around it, and that kind of killed off the good grass. Okay. And, and but doing a renovation of that lawn area. I'm not doing it. No. Okay, but but are you but you're up for doing that? So, uh, so in that case, one of the situations is when construction happens on lawns, that soil becomes very compacted from the weight of equipment and foot traffic, and uh, and it oftentimes will kill the plants that were there. So that's why you're seeing all the weeds growing up, that particular weed. In this case, what I'd recommend, and this is a good time of year to do it, is is rent an aerator and aerate that area. In fact, aerate. You could aerate your whole lawn while you're doing it because chances are you maybe haven't done that for a while. And uh, rent that aerator and then top seed or top dress, so a mixture of soil and seed, with a, a good quality grass seed that's suitable for the site. So I would take it this is probably in full sun or nearly full sun. Mm-hmm. And so choose a, a good quality seed. You want to really don't buy the cheap stuff. Buy good seed. And uh, go ahead and overseed it. And then uh, you may want to do another seeding in um, November that is called dormant seeding. And that is where you put down the same grass seed, but it's after the ground has frozen. So in other words, it's, it's kind of going to be dormant there until spring. And that should start your lawn off really healthy mm-hmm. in the spring. Then do a lot. Then do your fertilization and watering uh, as uh, this grass starts to come up, and really try to push a, a healthy lawn to outcompete that particular weed. You may have to do some spot treating of those areas or dig up if you see that coarse grass coming back up. So you may may dig it up. Uh, it might be quack grass too. It's uh, hard to say what it is without looking at it. But um, but that's what you want to do is you want to encourage a healthy lawn so that you're not having to. Uh, uh, deal with these weeds taking over. But aeration is going to be a good thing to do right now. Very good. All right, thank you. Uh, Richard, Minneapolis is calling in uh, with a question for Julie. What is your question, Richard? Yeah, I have a uh, mugo pine. It's had for probably 40 years and uh, must be five, seven feet uh, spread and about four feet tall. And uh, this always been beautiful, but this year it uh, it's got an awful lot of Brown needles. It okay. looks, almost looks like scaring me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, boy, that's a big mugo pine. Um, a lot of brown needles could be due to, um, we've had so much rain, I, I can't say drought, uh, unless you've been in a droughty area. I know up north it's been quite dry. Um, but this case, I'd probably say you could send a photo in to ask an expert. That's on our extension site. And we can maybe take a look at that. Uh, if it's um, if you think that the needles, you think it might be a disease or something, you can send it to the plant disease clinic, a sample into that, and you can find them on our website. Or you could call in an arborist that we mentioned a little bit earlier to take a look at that tree. That's a pretty prominent evergreen, it sounds like, in your landscape. And, and when you have an issue with one of those prominent uh, trees or shrubs, Calling in an arborist is not a not a bad idea at all, and we have a lot of really good arborists. So we have a, a, a publication on our site, How to Hire a Tree Professional, and that might be a good idea for something that big. All right. 
Uh, somebody wants to know, is it better to uh, bag the leaves when they fall or mulch them? Well, that depends how much. Yeah, how many it depends fall, how many right? leaves you have. Yeah, if you have a mulching mower, that's a great thing. You can just keep mowing over the leaves and and breaking them down into those small pieces, and you can leave a lot of those on your lawn. Now, if you have huge numbers of leaves, if you've got a lot of maple maple trees and you're just buried in leaves, then you might have to actually compost some of those leaves. You can bag them and bring them to a local compost site. That's what I do. Uh, you can also mulch some of them up, uh, mow them over with your lawnmower and leave them on the lawn. Or you, or if you have a bagger on your lawnmower, you can also collect those leaves that you mow up and you can use them as a mulch on your garden. That's what I also do on my garden too. That saves you buying wood mulch and also provides a nice overwintering habitat for uh, some of our queen bees that are uh, looking for a place. Mm. But if you have three feet of leaves in the... Yeah, you might want to do a mixture of all of those, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could bag some and bring them to a compost site. Or if you have organic uh, yard waste pickup from your uh, garbage person, you could do that, too. So you may have to do a combo of some of those things. Hang on, Julie. We have another half hour of the show to go. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. Uh, to Julie at 651-989-9226. That number applies to both the calls and your text messages. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks like Julie Weisenhorner <laughs> from the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers! Woo-hoo. Yes. And again, if you're just joining <laughs> us, uh, you guys are going to be appearing at the our fa- one of our very favorite places, yes, the Arboretum. Farm at the Arb Field Fest. The dedication of the new Red Barn Farm is today. Uh, they're dedicating it at 10 o'clock, and it goes till 7 o'clock, and our band is playing 5 to 7. Fantastic. 5 to 7, late this afternoon. Loads of fun. Texter wants to know, before we get back to the phones, is it too wet to aerate my lawn? Well, that's going to be – I'm going to leave that up to the lawn professionals to determine how wet it is. It, it depends on your, you know, how well your lawn is draining and, and the kind of soil, and chances are probably have clay soil around here. Um, but, yeah, they're going to – make that determination yeah. and they're also getting backed up now so oh, i should say so you yeah. might have might have to put it up but this is a good time of year to do that it lessens yep. the compaction of soil allows you to overseed and get ready for next year having a great lawn let us uh, go back to the phones julie troy's calling in from uh, rochester troy you're on with julie hey good morning thanks for taking my call morning uh, my question is uh Good morning. So my question is, in in terms of treating dandelions, I know most people treat them in the spring. I fertilized my lawn a lot this summer, and with the rain and the fertilizer, the lawn has done well, but so have the dandelions. Sure. haven't been able to spot spot treat and kill them. Can I still treat the dandelions this time of year? Yeah, actually, this is a good time of year to do it. So dandelions are a perennial weed, meaning that they come back every year, and they have a long taproot, and... um, so, so treating at this time of year, the plant is, is photosynthesizing and putting a lot of nutrients into that big taproot for next year. So this is a time that the plants at these perennial weeds will actually be translocating any kind of chemical down through its leaves, down into the taproot, which will kill the whole plant instead of just the top of the plant. Okay. So th- yes, this is a time to do that with broadleaf weeds. But some people, I'm looking at the other side of the coin, like dandelions. Yes, some people for- like them. Yeah, what for the bees? They yeah, they're an early emerger in the spring, and they uh, and they flower early, and so they have a they're a good pollen and nectar source for those bees that are emerging early. So that's it's a great plant for that. In fact, uh, our forefathers and mothers brought it over from Europe 
uh, intending to have it. It's edible. The leaves are edible if it's, of course, not treated with anything. And people make dandelion wine and all sorts of things with it. So some people like those broadleaf weeds, uh, clover and dandelion, and they choose to keep those in their lawns. I would just say that if you have neighbors who don't like those weeds, it's just be sure to mow off the dandelion flowers as soon as they're spent. Makes sense. And uh, just so that they don't spread into their yards. They don't have any kind of runners, those dandelions. They're just a taproot, so they're not going to spread except by seed. Mm-hmm. So if you can keep those seed heads under control, you'll keep your neighbors happy. Seems like in my yard, those dandelion <laughs> seeds, they hide be, uh, under little pieces of gravel or stone. They're very small. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Uh, texter wants to know, Julie, what's the difference between the autumn blaze and autumn flame maple? I guess their question is, does one of them actually have colorful leaves during the summer? Um, not that I know of. Usually when we see a maple that is turning colors in the summer, it's because it's due to stress. So maples are plants that like a cool uh, root area. They like organic soil. They like a little acidity in their soil. So when you have a maple that's planted, say, on the side of a street or it's planted in the middle of a a yard, uh, it can oftentimes become stressed. And, And that is when we see plants that are starting to turn, say, in July, uh, that is not normal, and that indicates that there's stress on that plant. So I don't, I'm not familiar with both of those uh, cultivars, but I don't believe either one has significant color change in the in the summer at as a typical thing. No, you wanted to address a question about the pine trees. Many uh, Texas is dropping the needles, turning yellow. What's going on? They say. So the yellowing is a little disconcerting, uh, but pine trees and conifers in general do drop their. Needles. I mean, they drop needles like our deciduous trees drop leaves. So there is a certain amount of needle loss every year. When it becomes whole branches that turn brown or whole branches that turn yellow, then that might be kind of indicative of either damage to that branch or some other problem with that plant. If it's significant on the tree and, and covers a lot of it, like our former caller about the mugo pine, that's a good time to get a professional in there to take a look at your trees and to assess their health because it could be something... Uh, going on with an insect or disease or an abiotic situation. So abiotic means something around it, whether you know it's it's the weather or it's been been some construction that's damaged the root area, something like that. Okay. Texter wants to know: Is it better to divide hostas in the fall or spring? I prefer to divide them in the spring because they're smaller. Right now, they're big and they've still got their leaves and they're looking really great. Um, so I would always recommend doing it in the spring. The only time there's an exception is if you're going to be doing some kind of renovation in your yard and you may lose the plants if you don't move them. Uh, so that's, that's one, one exception there, but most of the time it's a lot easier to do them in the spring and then they have the whole summer to kind of recover. Uh, let's see. Texter from Plymouth says, what should I do with my new rhubarb plants this fall? They still have stocks on them. Just leave them. Those stocks will die back, and next uh, next spring you can go ahead and just clean up those dead uh, leaves and stalks, and they'll reemerge. Why do my ostrich ferns turn brown this time of the year? Is this a problem or a normal part of their life cycle? Normal part of their life cycle. Yep, okay. they turn kind of a yellow and then to brown. Uh, uh, ostrich ferns, the big green fronds of the ostrich ferns are the sterile fronds. They're the more showy stuff. And then you'll see that some of those plants will have these dark brown, stick straight, kind of woody fronds in the middle. Those are the fertile fronds. Those are the fronds that actually have the spores on them. And you leave those standing, and that allows those those spores to go elsewhere. 
What's a black swallow wart? Oh, black swallow wart is an invasive uh, plant in Minnesota. How to get rid of it, Dexter wants to know. Yeah, that is a good question. And that is a case when we have invasive species like this that can literally choke out other better plants. um, That is when you actually need to do some serious uh, thinking on removing that plant and or treating that plant with a chemical to get rid of it. So you need to find the source of that plant, you know, trace that vine back and find the source of it, and then you need to kill that plant. That's a that's a requirement. We do not want black swallowwort taking over our gardens and yards. Okay. Uh, this this question might be uh, one to send to the uh, to the use website. What shrub can I plant behind a garage in almost full shade that gets around four to five feet tall and wide? Also, is it too well? We already talked about hostas, but what <laughs> can there are the, the site on the website you can find like what right. Right. So we have a have a good uh, plant database under our lawns and landscaping section called uh, Plant Elements of Design. And you can plug in exactly the information that you put on that text message and go ahead and uh, enter it into the database and you'll come up with whatever shrubs that are in that database. There's about 2,800 different plants in there, wow. everything from trees to shrubs to perennials and annuals. Speaking of uh, chlorosis, which we were a bit ago, my 10 maple tree has the, I don't know, it's 10 foot maybe, 10 foot? I don't know. My 10 maple tree has the uh, lightening of the leaves. It seems to happen late August, last couple of years. It starts at the top and works its way to a couple of areas in the outer leaves. A lightening of the leaves. Hmm. That I do not know. That again, I'd, if, I'd call an arborist for yeah. that one. That's a that's a really good question, and and that is not something that I can uh, weigh in on at this point. So I would go ahead and and call in an arborist to take a look at that tree. Mature trees are really important to our landscapes, not just from their beauty and their shade, uh, the habitat for birds and other wildlife, but also from a property value standpoint. So uh, you know it's well worth it to call that arborist, in, and we have some talented people here in Minnesota. For sure, we do. Back to the phones, Julie. Ken is calling from Blaine with a question. Go ahead, go ahead Ken. Good morning. Uh, I have some sumac that have kind of invaded my perennial garden, and okay. I kind of like to dig them up and transplant them someplace else. Is that something that can be done? Sure. It's going to take a little bit of elbow grease to do it, but, yeah, you can dig up uh, sumac. Now, sumac will have probably runners underneath the soil, I believe, that lead from one plant to another. That's how it gets its kind of clonal um, uh, size where it spreads out and gets bigger and bigger in a mass. And so you'll want to cut those roots as you come across them, cut them out, and then put that plant, that smaller plant or separate plant, in wherever you want it to be. There's a text about a lawn question, Julie. Is it too late to see the lawn is the first question. Uh, And if not, is there a preferred northern climate variety? I don't know the varieties. I wish John was here for yeah. that one. But this is a good time to seed your lawn. Yeah, because we, we do have, have available great grass seed around here. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. We have great grass seed. Um, and uh, uh, But this is a good time to do the seeding. Uh, you can do aeration if you haven't done that, where you rent a core aerator. And that opens up the, the lawn and, and lessens the compaction and then allows that seed to get into those spaces and have good seed-to-soil contact. Okay. Back to the phones. Julie, uh, Paul is calling in from St. Paul, I believe. Paul, you're on with Julie. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. My question is, um, have a good uh, old 20-feet row of uh, lilac bushes, and there's like a lime green vine 
all over it. Okay. Do you know what that is? Um, I'm going to guess it's wild cucumber because I've seen okay. a lot of it, and it's very bright, light green, and it's almost white parts of it. It seems kind of kind of light colored on edges. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it yeah. does. I've seen it all over the place. And right. I'm wondering, is it? Is it invasive or? It's actually a native vine to Minnesota, so it's not considered invasive, just aggressive. It's also an annual vine, which means it's really easy to pull down and rip out of the ground. So uh, you don't have to worry about killing the actual plant, but just pull it down off your plants. And uh, hopefully it hasn't gone to seed. It produces these kind of little spiny seed capsules. Once those open up, then you're going to have that vine to deal with uh, in your area for, you know, the next year. But if you can get to it before those seed capsules open up, like I'd go out today and I'd pull that stuff down right now. You can just throw it in a pile to, to break down. All right. Tell you what we need to do is take a quick break. We have more show to come. Julie Weisner will be back with uh, your questions either by phone or by text. And again, the same number applies. If you want to call it in or text it at 651-989-9226. 53 degrees here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Denny and Julie <laughs> yeah. uh, here in the studio Dynamic answering your duo. questions. <laughs> oh, bam. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Batman. Batman Robin. Uh, a lot of text messages. We we always tend to run out of time before we yeah, uh, get to answer all of them. a lot of good ones there so many. What about blemishes on tomatoes? Turn black after picking them. They turn oh, fast, sure. have to throw some away. What's the story there? So something has happened to that tomato. Uh, it could be something like hail damage. It could be uh, that it was damaged somehow, it got dropped or banged against something and bruised it. Uh, it could also be a bacterial spot issue so or a fungal issue. Um, we have a, uh, on our uh, extension site, we have a really cool tool called What's Wrong With My Plant?, and under that, you can look up uh, whatever kind of plant you have. So in this case, tomato. And then you can go to uh, the part of the plant that's the issue, in this case, the fruit. And then you can uh, look for a description of what you're seeing. So black spot on fruit would be a, what I would look up or whatever's closest to that. And that will give you, you know, the most common things that we see in Minnesota and then a link to a publication about what to do about it. In some cases, after you've picked it like this, there's nothing to do about it. And in some cases, it could be that that fruit was damaged when it was on the vine or it is susceptible to a type of uh, fungal or bacterial issue, some kind of pathogen. So choosing disease-resistant fruit in the spring when you go to choose your tomatoes mm-hmm. is a good idea. And uh, and then being sure that you're planting those plants and protecting them, doing all the right things you can. But, you know, you can do all the right things and things still happen to your plants. So in this case, I would just eat those tomatoes as fast as you can, cut out that damaged area and, uh, you know, make some good chili with them, too. <laughs> or some That's, marinara sauce. Or some marinara <laughs> sauce, or you could freeze them, whatever it is. The leaves, this may be another uh, suggestion for an arborist, uh, Julie. The leaves of my 40-year-old linden tree are fully spotted and dry-looking. Is the tree dying? Yeah, again, a major tree in your yard uh, requires some major help, and so that would be a good opportunity to call in an arborist. And just as a reminder, on our extension site, under our trees and shrubs, we have a a part on how to hire a tree professional, uh, a web page, and you can... Read about that. It's got good questions. It's got links to where you can find somebody in your area 
great publication for people with tree questions today. Back to the phones. Doug is calling in from uh, Prior Lake, I believe. Doug, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Uh, Some time ago, we had uh, our front of our house re-landscaped, and uh, we wanted a a tree maybe 10 or 12 feet tall by five or six feet wide, and the man planted the tree, and it got to be about 30 feet tall. (laughs) And so we had that taken down, and I'm looking for information on what kind of a tree that we could plant there, and it's right in the center of the front of our house, and uh, some kind of an evergreen tree that uh, would go 10 or 12 feet tall and maybe six feet wide or something like that. Okay, so if you want an evergreen tree, then you may actually be looking at more of an evergreen shrub because I'm having a hard time thinking of an evergreen tree that gets to be only about 10 or 12 feet tall. So you might want to look for one of our arborvitaes, that is a smaller shrub type that only gets to be about 10 feet tall. Uh, you can also look at a mugo pine, uh, one of the smaller uh, dwarf varieties or smaller varieties. Bear, bear in mind that evergreens are slow to grow. They take longer to grow than some of our deciduous plants. I would also, if you have the room, I would recommend doing a combination of plants too. You might want to do, uh, say, uh, an, a serviceberry tree. That's a smaller tree. And beautiful tree, blooms in the spring, has fruit uh, that's edible, and combine it with maybe a couple other plants with it that would uh, give you a little bit more interest, but still give you that kind of screening or, uh, you know, uh, kind of a good view from your house, whatever it is that your your uh, main objective is, uh, that will be more interesting than just a single tree standing by itself. Okay. You can look on our database, too, that I mentioned earlier, the plant elements of design, and look under plant lounge and landscaping, and you'll find the link to that on our webpage. But give that webpage again. Sure. It's extension.umn.edu slash yard hyphen and hyphen garden. All right. <laughs> I know. I would just Google it's pretty easy yard and garden U of M. That's the easiest way to go. Texter says this, should I cut my hardy hibiscus down to the ground or leave it until spring? It's about 10 years old, very large. I think with that, I think you leave it and you cut it down in this. You can cut it down after the leaves all drop off. Uh, then I think you can cut it down at that point. Okay. So many text messages. I know. Uh, within the last 10 days, my lawn has been invaded by moles. What can I do to get rid oh, of them? Boy. Well, uh, I think well, we know. Yeah. Moles have to be trapped. And uh, I think if you talk to any of our turf guys, that's what they would say for the really conclusive elimination of moles, trap them. What if somebody, again, maybe this is for the website too, they want to find out about the the hardiest variety of a maple tree, for example. I mean, can they find more information about that? Yeah, you can find good choices on our plant selection database. Um, You can also talk with your local garden center. I I always encourage people to form a relationship with their local garden center. Get to know the people who work there. uh, Bring them your questions. They are up and knowledgeable about the latest and greatest varieties that have come out and the cultivars that might work for your location. So um, our local garden centers have talented people there. They do a great job, uh, and they're, they're in the know about local plants, things that grow well in our area. That's you know, whatever area of the state you're in, because it's different up north and down south than it is in central Minnesota. So get to know your local folks and look for locally grown trees and shrubs. Uh, support our industry, support our tree farmers. And then also you're getting plants that have started their life in this area and they've become very accustomed to the changing climate and the weather and the temperatures and the snow. They have good provenance, it's called.
Right. Let's get a phone call from Darla in Plymouth. Darla, you're on with Julie here on CCO. Hello. Hi. Oh, good morning. Um, I have two different flowering trees in my front yard, and they both have white flowers. And um, they both are too large. And one of them is was next to a flowering crabapple tree, and it, I think it picked up the scab from the tree that was next to it in the neighbor's yard. So I'm wondering about pruning both of them back. They're getting so large when I could do that. And also the one that has a scab from the uh, flowering apple tree next door, what to do about both, each of those. Okay, so the um, it's hard to give you advice on pruning without knowing what the plants are. Uh, white there's lots of plants that bloom with white flowers. Uh, right now, hydrangeas are very prolific in blooming, but a lot of those are starting to turn to a pinkish color even. So I, don't, I can't really tell you about the pruning without knowing what they are. Um, and as far as the tree that you think, your crabapple that you think got scab from the neighboring tree, that's entirely possible. But I'll tell you what, we've had such a wet year and that excessive moisture and humidity increases the susceptibility. Even plants mm-hmm. that are resistant to scab can get a little bit of scab in a year like this. So I wouldn't cut the tree down. I would wait. Uh, I would consult an arborist about whether you can treat the tree for scab. That's always a possibility, mm-hmm. but there's a timing to that, so it might be something that I would call in a professional for. The best thing to do about the other two plants that you want to prune is to get them identified. You can bring in a branch to your local garden center and ask them to ID it. Or you can take pictures of it and you can put it on Ask an Expert, which is on our extension site under uh, Ask a Master Gardener. And there's a uh, tool there that you can just you can load up to three photos on there and then put your questions on. Yes, because for those folks that we didn't get to, to answer the right. text messages, you right. can do that yeah, too. Yeah, and we've got a lot of talented master gardeners. I'm on that uh, so we're we're helping people all the time with plant ID. If you're looking for something fun to do tonight. Farm Fest, or not Farm Fest, but Farm at the Arb Field Fest. At the Arboretum. <laughs> at the Arboretum. And uh, our band is playing 5 to 7. But there's a lot of other great stuff going on the whole day long. We're and, just at the end. And what is it called again? The Farm at the Arb Field Farm Fest. Farm at the Arb. <laughs> and you can find it on the Arboretum site at arboretum.umn.edu. You're going to love it there. And let's keep our fingers crossed about the weather. Yeah, no all rain. Right. Julie, uh, Julie, good to see you again. Yep. Have fun tonight. Thanks. We'll see you in a couple right. weeks. Good deal. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.